Welcome back, Rosebuds. Just a quick reminder to our return listeners, we do have the bookmarks down in the description below if ever you want to just jump right into the stories and skip the intro. Today we have a total of four creepy camping horror stories. Our collection of stories are all allegedly real-life encounters, except for one that is entirely made up. The episodes on our channel are a lot like that old 90s show, Beyond Belief, Fact or Fiction, so have fun guessing which stories are true and which one is made up. Make sure to listen all the way to the end, where I will reveal the imposter story. With that, let's dive into our four creepy camping horror stories to tell in the dark. Story number one ghostly feng shui. To set the scene here, I'm a 30-ish female solo van life outdoors woman. I do a lot of hiking, camping, and outdoor recreational stuff. The first year of van life, I had an experience in the high Sierra region of the United States that made me want to never go back. I do a lot of boondocking because it saves me money. I've not ever had a problem until this one time. Boondocking, in case you don't know, is going off-grid and just setting up basically in any wilderness location. Now, I have a large Belgian Malinois dog named Shell. I actually paid a professional dog trainer to help me train her, so she would act as a guard dog for this nomad lifestyle. She only barks to warn me of danger and is even able to attack on my command. Anyway, we made our way to a remote location and set up camp. It was summer, so the days were tepid and the nights were cool. I set up the fire pit, outdoor kitchen, and my pop-up shower stall at the back of my van. I set out my camping chair, table, and had all my things set up and ready to make dinner. It was about 3 p.m., so not too late. The sun was setting, but still plenty of daylight. We'd been on the road all day, and Shell needed a walk. We started out on a game path and were gone for about 30 minutes. There wasn't a soul out there, or so I thought. When we started to approach the campsite, just as we were coming back from the ridge, Shell starts growling, a low, throaty warning. Her hackles are up. I'm craning my head all around and reaching for my pepper spray, thinking that a bear is nearby. As we crest the ridge, I see my campsite and freeze. Shell is full-on growling now and giving me every signal that something is wrong. I approached my campsite carefully. I was shocked. All my stuff had been rearranged. It wasn't like someone tossed the campsite, though. No, this was more like someone was playing a psychological mind game of shitty feng shui with all my stuff. The chair was on top of the table. The stuff that had been on the table was now under it. The firewood was pulled out of the fire pit and each log laid strategically around the stone pit, creating an outer circle. The pop-up showering tent had been laid on its side directly perpendicular to the back of my van. The way it was laying would have been unlikely that the wind did this. Besides, there wasn't too much wind, and I had the tent loosely staked down. I'd never been so unnerved in all my life. 
I did a quick look around the campsite for shoe prints to see how many people there were that had done this and what direction they might have gone off in, except I couldn't find any. Needless to say, I packed up quickly and got the hell out of there. I'm still unsure who or what did this. I've heard stories from others who've had strange things happen up in the Sierra Nevada mountains. I've never been one to believe in the paranormal, but that experience made me question. Story number two, camping in a crypt. Okay, so to understand the creepiness, this is going to require some brief history of the area. Basically, after the Ottomans lost power in northern Africa, especially Libya, the Italians took over. This was just before World War I in 1912 to 1913. This led to a huge war with what are now considered Libyans and the Italians. Libyans had the upper hand being on home soil and knowing the mountains pretty well, but more importantly, they knew where all the caves were. They caused the Italians loads and loads of trouble spanning a full 30-year war, which ended with the Italians winning. The death toll was huge, and most of the casualties were buried in the mountains because it was simply unfeasible and illogical to carry bodies around in the flaming hot heat due to the smells and lack of resources. It was basically, you're buried where you fall kind of thing from both sides. Guess who went camping in the very caves the Libyans ambushed the Italians from a hundred years ago? That's right, me and a group of crazy, idiotic friends. I assure you, had I known all this at the time, I wouldn't have agreed to spend the night in a cave, some with bones still inside. Presumably animal bones, but nonetheless, scary. During the day, we went around the small local village talking and having tea with a local who a friend of mine knew. The old man talked about the stories and how very few people still knew the significance of the area to the Italian resistance and how it helped shape Libya as it is today. He talked about fights on horseback and how it was here where the Italians were the first to ever deploy tanks in the desert. All good history and some lovely wise words from a man with great historic stories. So we set up camp and we have a fire going. We can see the stars perfectly clear due to no light pollution. The small village is no longer in sight, but we're about 15 minutes away. It wasn't too chilly, but it felt cold, even with the temperatures around 10 Celsius. After an ice barbecue and a few non-alcoholic drinks, we all head up to our separate caves to get some sleep before the sun comes up. Mind you, it was around 2 a.m. at this time. I remember entering the pitch black cave and feeling like it was like a walk-in freezer. I was shivering, scared, and I couldn't see my own hand in front of my face. I find the little mattress I had laid out earlier and drag it as close to the front of the cave as possible so I can see what's left of the firelight embers after dousing it with a little water. I lay back and what happened next sounds like a dream but at the time, it was completely real to me. That's when the horror began. I started to hear horses galloping my way. Suddenly, it was a lot warmer, and I hear gunshots echoing from inside the cave. 
the cooler, just outside the cave next to the fire pit, tips over, effectively smothering the remaining embers. This noise caused my friend to come over and say, You woke me up. Why'd you put the fire out? Which is when he hears the gunshots from inside the cave too, and falls down to the ground like he's avoiding rogue gunfire. For a second, I thought he'd actually been shot because of how quickly he fell down. Then he turns his head and says, Can you hear that? We both quickly wake up, the other two people with us, and they hear it too. If it wasn't already, shit got even more real. You could hear tank shells bombarding the mountain and blowing up, but oddly, there was no ground quaking. We heard people screaming in Italian and cries of others being hit. It was like being in a real war zone, or like someone playing surround sound from a World War I movie. It was possibly the scariest thing I've ever encountered in my life. None of us knew what to do. We left our stuff and went to find the old man's house to spend the night at. That morning, the old man said that where we had camped out, and specifically the row of caves we had chose, is where the Italians first deployed the tanks. The fight was lost because they were cornered and the tanks couldn't turn around. At least 20 Italians lost their lives. And guess where they were buried? Yup, exactly where our camp had been set up. Story number three, Strange Artifact. I live in the Pocono Mountains of Pennsylvania. It's not as rural as it once was, but it still has a history of being remote and wild, and some areas remain so, especially out and away from the resorts, water parks, and lakeside vacation developments. I do a lot of hiking, camping, etc. out there. I once escorted a church group on a weekend overnight outing to a camp in the area. Ages ranged from young kids through adults. The camp was set at the confluence of two streams and was somewhat rugged. The group had a lot to do. There was a climbing wall, boating, hiking, sports, all kinds of stuff, including a nature center and a little museum. The nature center had an interactive display with fish tanks, small animals, etc., and a touch table, a large wooden table with sides on which was scattered all sorts of artifacts the guests could pick up and handle. These items included deer antlers, bones, turtle shells, feathers, arrowheads, pottery, rocks, seeds, nuts, tanned hides, etc. Little kids especially loved it. All of the items were found by guests or staff while out in the camp and returned to the nature center. I'd handled the items as well, lots of times, but one day I noticed one bone had a really odd shape. Now, I'm an environmental scientist by profession and an outdoorsman and naturalist for fun. I've studied biology and physiology and can generally recognize what bones came from what parts of what animals. This bone was a person's mandible, the lower jawbone of an actual human being. It was severely worn smooth and had no teeth, but easily recognizable as such if you studied this topic. It had been there for years, handled by thousands of people, and no one noticed or at least reported it. I didn't even notice it until then. 
I reported it to the director who removed it and notified the state police. They investigated and agreed it seemed very old. As it couldn't be identified and no one was reported missing in the immediate area, the camp was eventually allowed to keep it. There is a reasonable yet possible explanation. The facility was the site of a timbering and ice harvesting camp up until the 1920s. It may have been the remains of a worker who died and was buried right here. It also could have been a Native American, but who knows the real story? As far as I know, it's still on that table to this day. Story number four, Strange Neighbors. This is a bit of a long one, and it's about camping. Just so you know, I've mostly lived in cities throughout my life. Some friends and I took a road trip around the American Southwest. We camped at this isolated state park about 45 minutes away from Zion National Park where we encountered strange things which we couldn't explain. Night one, the tent pole breaks when we try to set it up. Seemed like a bad omen. My friend's tent was the kind with the poles already in a sheath on the tent, so you just had to extend them. So we drive 45 minutes into town to buy some duct tape, come back, and all the poles in our tents have been flipped inside out. There were other people around, but nobody fessed up to messing with it. Our neighbors came over to help us with repairs, and even offered us dinner. I said no thanks, but my friend said yes. For context as to why I declined, I'm a gay man and my friend is a woman. I just didn't want to answer questions from anybody in rural Utah. The next day, I was a wreck. I was feeling exhausted and assuming these people were going to attack us or mess with us some more. There was no proof they did, but the tent situation was so weird I couldn't help but suspect. We get back and quickly go to bed, avoiding all of our campsite neighbors. That night, I hear sticks breaking near our tent like someone walking. You could hear the wind howling for a solid minute before it hit our tent each time, and it was a full moon. At about 3 a.m., a pack of coyotes walks through the campground hooting and hollering and howling at the moon. Yes, like straight out of a movie kind of stuff. I literally felt like I was going insane. The whole thing felt so surreal. I didn't sleep much, and I was so tired. The next morning, my friend said she had a nightmare that was strange and unsettling. The family's young son, that was our neighboring campsite, was at our door asking to come in because he was scared. In the dream, she was thinking of vampire lore and felt something was off, so she didn't invite him in. Then his voice got demonic and he was clawing at the tent door, screaming to be let in. She confessed to me that this was the most intense and realistic nightmare she'd ever had. Needless to say, next morning we got up, packed our stuff, and never looked back. Well, Rosebuds, that brings us to the end of today's episode. Before I do the reveal for our creative fictional story, don't forget to give us a quick thumbs up and subscribe. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode, why not share it with a friend? It really helps us grow faster than you might realize. 
I personally love camping, and if you're a camping enthusiast, share your favorite camp location in the comments down below. I'd love to check it out one of these days. Alright, on to our imposter story reveal. Story number one, ghostly feng shui about the van life woman who had her campsite rearranged was the imposter story. I don't really have inspiration to share other than to say, one of these days, I hope to kind of do the nomad life thing. And I was thinking, when I do that one day, what is possibly one of the scariest paranormal things I could encounter? I suppose there's a lot of situations I hope to never find myself in, but an unseen entity messing around with me in that kind of way is one of the scenarios I hope to never experience. Anyway, that's a wrap. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take care and stay creepy.